clap our hands and magnify the Lord Jesus, shall we? Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, I will bless his holy name. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, his name is to be praised. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Certainly a tremendous honor and great privilege to be here tonight, have another opportunity to speak in this very tremendous conference that has been a blessing to all of us, encouragement to all of us so many times through the years, and all of us are indebted to and have deep respect and love uh, for Bishop and Mama Varnum, the entire Varnum family. We love them and this Soul Harbor Church so much. And of course, several years back, a number of years ago now, we, our family made this our home church, and Souls Harbor has been a home church to us and our family, and uh, we've been blessed by it, carried by it, covered by it, and we are so deeply thankful for all of you at this Souls Harbor church. <clears throat> Give honor to our district superintendent tonight, Brother Boyd. God bless you, Elder. We love you. Thank God for your leadership. We pray God's mighty anointing be heavily upon you. Brother Robinette, man of faith and power. God bless you, Brother Robinette. Love you. Thank God for so many souls that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost as you have operated in faith and the gift of faith around the world. May the Lord keep giving you strength. Uh, that takes a lot of energy and strength. And uh, looks like Brother Robinette is up to the task. Amen. And I have so many friends across this auditorium tonight, not just ministry friends, but very dear and precious friends. And I love each of you and thank God for you. It's just wonderful to look around and see those familiar faces that have preached in your churches and loved you and thank God for your deep respect. I'm very honored indeed tonight. My wife of this next month will be 36 years. Amen. We still got the fireworks one way or the other. <laughs> Amen. She's a woman of deep prayer. She leads a morning prayer uh, call, Zoom call that has grown to over about 130 ladies. And I think there's a bunch of them here tonight that are on that morning prayer call. God bless them. Amen. They pray an hour every morning and they pray the kind of prayers that'll wake you up if you're still asleep. I pray my preacher didn't do that tonight. Amen. Brother Carpenter, what a magnificent word from the Lord. Not only a great word, but well delivered, both with clarity and with anointing. And I walked over and told him it was a direct confirmation to me and what I feel in the Holy Ghost here tonight. The book of James chapter 5, verse 17. James 5, 17 and 18. I don't have time to develop what I'm about to say, but there is a difference between spiritual authority and apostolic authority. Apostolic authority is a function of spiritual authority, but it is a unique function of authority that is positional, as the young man said, mantles, things that are imparted from one generation to the next that follow in the apostolic succession and flow. And I pray tonight the Lord will help me to uh, 
not just preach a message and not just be inspirational, but leave an imprint and an impartation in your spirit. There's a deep witness of the Holy Ghost here. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> James 5.17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. This man that we esteem so highly, we look to as a prophet of the Most High God, this man who rises to the top of spiritual heights and hero that we look to as an example and understanding was a man who was subject to, vulnerable to, like passions. Somehow he was able to overcome it. I want to speak to us for a few minutes here tonight on the battle that we are fighting right now, as I observe the landscape and look at the, the battle that we are engaging, there is an invasion of the insignificant. And if we can win this battle, we are going to do exploits for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to preach to you about the invasion of the insignificant. Give the Lord another great hand praise. Let's magnify the Lord. Let my mind be very articulate to bless your people tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, something good is about to happen. I said something good is about to happen. Something good's about to happen in your life. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? Yes. I'm not going to lead in. I'm going to jump in. You will either play passionately or you will pray passionately. But life has taught me this, Bishop. Chances are you will neither have the time nor the energy for both. Our passions are going to lead us one direction or the other. So there's some wisdom for those would-be warriors for Christ tonight from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for the masteries, he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. You can't just do this thing any old way. You were right. We can't just do it half-hearted. We can't just be an also-ran. We're either in this thing with everything we have or we're really not in it at all. Pentecost is an all-in proposition. We worship the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. 
We have to strive lawfully. There's a, there's a method to which you go about gaining the crown. If you're ever going to be a leader, if you're ever going to have anointing, if you're ever going to have gifts that flow and bless the body of Christ, if you're ever going to be a soul winner and lead people out of darkness into the light somewhere, you are going to get a hold of your passions and they're going to be directed to the Lord. He's going to become the priority. You're going to set other things aside. You don't just do that on your way to other things. We need some here tonight who will seek to be a hundredfold. I, I, I've been preaching a long time. I've been around for just a little while and, and I see people that just seem perfectly content to be 30-fold. That's just, I'm just a 30-folder, but you know, we're going to heaven too. Some content to be 60-fold. Well, you know, we all have our gifts in our place. What they're saying is, I have passions that lie elsewhere. I've given in, but I'm not sold out. I'm hedging my heart. I feel God's calling some people in this conference tonight, especially a lot of my comments will be directed to the younger generation, but, but really this is just for all of us tonight to renegotiate where we are, but we need some people who are not satisfied with an associate's degree in Christianity. Happy to be associated. Satisfied with membership. Just glad to be a part. That, 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 that might be all right, but that's not going to ever turn you into a leader. That, that's never going to cause you to to have the gifts of the Spirit flowing and operating in your life. We need, we need some folks who will pursue the master's degree. I'm, I'm striving for the master's tonight. I'm not, I'm not striving to be an associate. I'm, I'm striving for the mastery. My, both of my sons, I think they're watching tonight, Zachary and Jeremiah, they're both in ministry. They've been here. They, they, they've heard me say this a thousand times and people have been around me much know it. If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. In other words, if you're going to do the thing, do it. Do it with all your heart. Do it with everything you have. Make up your mind which side you're on. Get in this thing and don't turn back. Make up your mind tonight. Quit being wishy-washy. I'm not, I'm not in the valley of decision tonight. The old account was settled and settled long ago. I'm, I'm already all in. I said, I'm already all in. Pandemic, no pandemic. Persecution, no persecution. Whoever's in the White House, whatever they do with the Supreme Court, whatever the legislature does, however high gas prices go, I'm already in. This is not just what I do, this is who I am. This is not an activity. I was born into this thing. Holy Ghost and fire running through my veins. I'm not content with the minimums. 
not satisfied with ankle deep Christianity. Ooh, I feel some people in here tonight. I, Brother Carpenter, I feel a younger generation that, that says I'm not satisfied. I'm not willing to settle for a form of godliness that denies the power. I'm not settling for that. I think, I think if we are going to touch the future with apostolic revival, we need to settle it here tonight that we will not settle for anything less than the full measure of apostolic authority, apostolic doctrine, gifts of the Spirit in operation, five-fold ministry on display. We're getting out into the deep end and that's just where we're gonna stay a while. Let me say to this younger generation especially, but to all of us for where we are right now, there is so much to see. There is so much to learn. There is so much to experience. We got some elders around here that have been doing this for decades. And we've yet to scratch the surface. We have not seen it all. We have not felt it all. We have not experienced it all. It is true. Got it written down here. You understand why I told you it's a confirmation. The elders pioneered a pathway of power and demonstration. I've got it written right here. As I approached the eldership in my own ministry, I am not interested in mentoring this generation into the mediocre. Just not on my agenda. If that's what you want, get somebody else to talk to you. They can help you. I can't help you. I'm going to be too much for you. I'm going to upset you. I'm going to offend you. I, I'm getting with those to whom much is given. Much is required. Those are the people I'm walking with. They're not, they're not fussing about the requirements. They're not, they're not upset about the requirements. They're not trying to minimize the requirements. They're saying, I want to be one to whom much is given. I'm not interested in turning people and ministries into just ankle walkers. We need some people who can get out there in the deep stuff. See, I've seen too much. I've seen too much. I've come too far. I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roll. I've heard the voice of the Almighty. I've walked in the holy fire revival. I, I can't be satisfied with a couple of songs and a sermonette to Christianettes and pat each other on the back and let's just go get something to eat. No, 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 no. I, I've seen too much. I've seen revival so marvelous, it's taken my breath away. 
I've been in one single service in the crusade in Ethiopia where more than 120,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in one single service. I can't, I can't live without the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I've seen blinded eyes open, deaf ears unstopped. And I'm preaching to a generation that I believe is the greatest generation to come along in the apostolic movement yet. You're educated, you're smart, you're gifted, you're talented, but you are fighting a war with an onslaught of insignificance that's trying to steal it right out of your very hands. We are more prophetically positioned to lead the greatest revival than we've ever been. We're singing better, we're preaching better, we understand church growth, we've got formulas, we understand how to do some things, but if we're not careful, it's gonna run through our fingers like water while we play trivial pursuit with life. We're living in a generation where the former reign and the latter reign are merging together at the same time. We're gonna see all the miracles and signs and wonders and outpouring of the Holy Ghost all happen at the same time. Let me speak to you with apostolic authority and understanding tonight. You need to know that there is so much more happening in the spirit world than we are experiencing. There's more taking place than we are aware of. Gifts of the Spirit, visions, dreams, revelations from God, angelic visitations, spiritual breakthroughs, manifestations of God's power, anointing, and favor await all of us. If you've had your ear tuned to the voice of the Lord, if you've been paying attention, you will know these things. But I want to point out to you tonight that apostolic authority is increasing among us and is becoming laser focused. Let me tell you something else that's happening. Sowing and reaping seem to be accelerated. What I mean by that, the seem like we're reaping a whole lot closer to the sowing than we were before. I sowed some things years ago that it took years for them to come to pass, sowing and reaping. And I'm talking in the financial realm, the material realm and all that. But here just a little while back, my wife and I sowed an offering one night in the very next afternoon had 10 times more given to us. I was like, that was quick. We like to preach about we like to preach about Isaac over there in Genesis chapter 12. There was a famine in the land besides the other famine. That means there's a famine on top of a famine, a double portion famine. And the Bible said and Isaac sowed in that land. And that's a great message to the church about sowing and being faithful even in the midst of whatever context we're in. But if you keep reading, he just didn't sow in that land. The Bible said, and he reaped the same year. So he didn't just sow in famine, he reaped in famine. 
I'm not telling you sow now when things get better, God will give it back. I'm telling you, you better sow while the ground is dry and the skies are clear because it might be the only place of harvest. Woo, it's happening fast. Let me tell you also that the harvest is being prepared. The harvest is being prepared right now. Right in the heart of this whole pandemic thing, I was getting a little bit confused because I like to try to figure everything out. And uh, I know it don't work, but I still do it anyway. It's just my nature. I'm trying to figure out how are we going to evangelize when we're not even allowed to talk to people. And you got to be six feet away. And if you did knock on anybody's door, they'd probably shoot you or call the police. Can't go in people's houses. How are we going to teach Bible studies? How are we going to witness? How, can't, there for a while, we couldn't go down and pray for people in the altar, lay hands on nobody, couldn't even come to church. I'm like, how are we going to win the loss like this? How are we supposed to evangelize people we're not even allowed to talk to? They think we're trying to kill them by saying hello. The Lord spoke to me and he said, the harvest is going to be supernatural. I'm going to draw the harvest. You just need to get ready because you're not ready. Better get ready. They're coming. Ready or not. Ready or not. It's going to be like the days of Noah. After he got prepared, he opened the door. God drew the animals in the ark. When God starts calling people out of this world, they're going to come. They're going to come in here faster than we're ready for them to come. And the first wave, I'm prophesying right now. This is a prophetic portion of the message. The first wave is going to be the prodigals. Because their hearts are already soft. They already kind of know. When the spirit goes out there, that's going to be the first wave. But we better get ready. Because there's a lot you can say about the prodigals. That's awesome why the father ran to meet him. Maybe he was trying to get to him before his brother did. One part of the Jewish custom says the father ran to meet him because when he got out there and put his arm around him, it was a custom that those servants could have stoned him because of what he had done. But when the father got out there and put his arm around him, he said, not today. Walked him back to the house. We can talk about the elder brother. You can talk about the father. But the true hero of the story is the mother. She ain't even mentioned. The Bible says, the father says, slay the fatted calf. And let's get a party. Who do you think cooked that meal? Who do you think organized that party? Don't you know mama was back there saying, get this over here. Put them tables up over there. Give me that chicken out here. Come on. I need this stuff. Come on. It's about ready. Don't you know mama was organizing the party? Come on, church. You better get ready. The father's going to draw him. The father's going to put his arm around him. But mama's going to throw the party. When they come walking in with their attitudes and their demons and all their addictions, Mama's going to throw a party. Woo, the harvest is being prepared. I'm going slow. I might be here a while tonight. I got to lie. Spiritual warfare is shifting. And it's shifting in your favor. I was preaching, I was preaching over in uh, Atlanta, Georgia area for my good friend Patrick Harvey who's here tonight. There was tongues and interpretation came in the service. Interpretation was very simple. 
But there was such a witness of the Holy Ghost on it. The Lord said, stay faithful. Don't give up. The battle will soon be won. Felt somebody poured cold water down my back. Let me tell you something, folks. This battle is going to be won. And I got a feeling it won't be long now. I feel things shifting, shifting. We're coming out of the darkness. We're coming out of the fog. We're coming out of a long battle. We've got to walk in the spirit if we're going to see in the spirit. Because there's so much to see. There's so much to experience. There's so much going on. I've seen too much. I can't be satisfied. One time in our early pastorate, we were pastoring in Lynchburg, Virginia. It was up late one night. I was traveling with Brother Cole in those days early, just a few trips under the belt. I was up late in the night and looking across my living room and been in prayer for a little while. I saw a tall, stately, thin, exquisite, very refined looking man that was taller than my doorpost. It was very evident to me quite quickly that this was another worldly being, an angel. But I had only seen them warring angels up to this point, so I didn't really know what I was looking at. And I asked the Lord, I said, what kind of angel, what is this angel? And the Lord said, this is an ambassador angel that has been sent to you and will go before you into every nation and place that you go to minister and will negotiate the terms of your arrival with the spirit world. That's been 30 something years ago. And all the way up to my last trip to Singapore, I can see the work of that angel in the surroundings when things don't work out this way and that way. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a shift in the situation and it turns to my favor. I say the angels at work, pushing the boundaries back. I was getting ready to go to the nation of Ethiopia. We were living in the basement of the church we were pastoring at the time. My wife in those days was a little nervous. As a matter of fact, she had a spirit of fear in those days. She doesn't have it anymore, but she did then. And I was going to be leaving, going to Ethiopia, and she was going to be there. And the night before, we lived in a basement of that church. She got up, go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. When she come out, came back into the bedroom, she said, there was an angel with his fingers together like this, just looking right down into my face. And if, for her to not jump through the wall, it was quite a miracle all by itself. She said the Lord made her to understand that this angel was watching over and was going, everything was gonna be all right. I said, what'd you do? She said, well, I just got in bed and went to sleep. When you've gone to sleep with angels standing by the bed, you can't be satisfied. This is what's out there in the deep waters. These are the increase of God's power among us. I was, I was headed overseas. I was going to be going to Australia and to Singapore on the same trip. And I was getting ready to land in Tokyo. I was on the long flight over. 
my wife and my mother both became burdened under the burden of the Spirit, got to talking and, and comparing notes, and because they both began to feel, they took it as a signal from the Lord, and they began to pray. The flight was, I don't remember how many hours, eight or ten hours, and we had a, we had a landing time like you always do, but on the way over, either some headwinds or something, we ended up being 15 minutes behind schedule. And as we were landing, that earthquake hit in Tokyo. The one that then resulted in the tsunami and then the, and then the reactors, the nuclear reactors. But we were coming down and the earthquake hit and the captain fired up the jets. You felt the bottom of that thing as he pulled us back up and said, I just got a report as we were landing that there's an earthquake and we can't land right now. He circled a few times and then diverted us over to another airport where I spent 96 of the most crazy hours of my life, but at least I was alive. Now you can believe what you want to, but my boarding pass said I'm supposed to already be there. But prayer was made and a little headwind said, I'm gonna have to delay this plane a little bit. I've just been living in the deep waters for too long to believe somehow we can now splash around in ankle deep water and convince ourselves that everything's gonna be all right. I've told this church about it one time. I was going into the nation of Nigeria, quite a dangerous place to go and had a friend of mine that went with me, just the two of us, and we were in the baggage compartment area, baggage claim waiting on our luggage, and everybody that was going out through the door, they, the, the guards were shaking them down and yelling and arguing and sending them off to rooms, and a lot of it's about trying to shake you down for money and all this kind of stuff, and we were the only two white people in the entire place. Looked like Casper. What? No way we weren't going to be noticed. My friend said, what are we going to do? I said, that's the only way out. I said, there's nothing we can do. We are our luggage came. He looked at me. I looked at him. I said, here we go. We walked over to that doorway. It was quite wide, maybe 16, 18, 20 feet or something. There stood the two guards. We walked over there and stood with our luggage ready for it to begin. And they just kept looking around like they were waiting on someone to come up. And so we stood there a minute looking around. I'm trying to catch eye contact. And they look like they're waiting on somebody to come up. I said, they can't see us. Let's go. We walked right between them felt like somebody poured water down my back. I felt the hair stand up. I said, we're invisible. <laughs> Some of y'all been living in the shadows for so long. You think I'm out there in cotton candy land here tonight, but this is not a cotton candy service. This is, this is for some people that are saying, I want hundredfold. I want the deep things of God. Feel deep calling unto deep tonight. I, I want those things that are going to cost a little something. I, I want those things that require a little extra time in the prayer room. I, I want those things that require a little extra sacrifice. I'm not looking for the easy way, I'm looking for the anointed way. I don't want easy ministry, I want anointed ministry. The anointing you feel in this house doesn't come cheap. Tears are gonna flow, hearts are gonna break. But the anointing will open up like a balm of Gilead. 
I visited Singapore and my friend, they were a couple of years back, they were in a they were in a uh, 60-something day drought. It hadn't rained. It was like the longest time it had been without rain and uh, I think close to 100 years or something like that. It was a very, very, very long time. And we kept talking about it. And everywhere we'd go around that beautiful city, it's like a giant garden, but all the water fountains were turned off. None of the things were flowing. And I just kept noticing it and noticing it and noticing it. And I don't know what made me think this, but I got, I need to do something about that. <laughs> I mean, that's just a strange thing to think, but I need to do something about this. It just started bothering me. So I was sitting at lunch with Pastor, and we were talking about it. My son Zachary was sitting right beside me, and I looked at him, and I said, Pastor, before I leave, it's going to rain. Well, that was Friday, and the word got out. It didn't rain Friday, <laughs> and it didn't rain Saturday, and I was leaving Sunday night on the red eye. <laughs> Last train out of Dodge. <laughs> Sunday morning, late afternoon, I'm preaching on the third floor of an office complex at the time, big old giant curtains over the windows. I, I was so anxious for rain. You know, sometimes you prophesy this stuff and then you got great faith and then the closer you get to it not happening, you get nervous. And I will be honest with you, I was very apostolic and very bold when I was just like full of the Holy Ghost when I said, Pastor, it's, not gonna, it's gonna rain before I leave this country. But come Sunday afternoon, I was starting to waver a little, brother Robin. I'm just, just being honest. Just, we, we, we had to ride in a taxi on the way to church, and all of a sudden, I saw a bunch of drops on the windshield. I said, oh, there it is. It was the car in front of us. They were cleaning their windshields in it. I was reaching. I was reaching. My son, Zach, you know Zach. He's educated. He's academic. He said, no, Dad, that car. I said, just have a little faith, will you, son? I'm on the ropes here. I'm trying to live in the deep stuff. Hey, you're, you're not in until you're in over your head. If you ain't never got in over your head, you ain't out there in waters to swim in. You, you, still, you still got your feet planted. You're, you're still in control. You got to get out there where you can't fix it. You can't help it. You can't solve it. You got to get in over your head. That's where the real anointing is. That's over my head. I, I just be honest. I didn't have control of nothing. I'm just praying now for deliverance. While I was preaching, I heard something like a thunder. I didn't know what it was. Thought something fell somewhere. Somebody jumped up, pulled them big old windows back. The heavens had opened up. It was raining like a thunderstorm. I, well, look, hey, I was back. Look what the Lord did. See, now I told y'all. <laughs> Come on, no reward with no risk. This is just the stuff I've been living in my whole life. That's the deep stuff. And you want me to, somebody come on and say, Brother Condes, would you pray over me? I want your mantle. Well, number one, I'm not done with it yet. I know I'm getting older, but, you know, I'm not quite ready to just, I hope I don't look that bad. I'm still trying to do some stuff here. Number two, you don't just hand out mantles with little prayers, little pixie dust. Here you go, everything that I've paid for and prayed for and fasted for and gutted out for 35 years, here you go. It ain't that easy, folks. It's out there, you can have it, but if you're gonna strive for the mastery, you're gonna have to strive according to the rules. 
My bishop, Brother Billy Cole, told me all the time, he said, son, if you want this, it's going to cost you something. A few weeks ago, teaching over in, over in Kentucky and West Virginia, Brother Edwin Harper was there. He came at the end. He just wanted to go to lunch with me. We were praying and ministering. And the Holy Ghost was moving. I looked back, and I saw the old elder, very back row, and he was standing like this. Had his mouth all drawn up. His eyes were all squinched. His head was up. He was all like it. Had his eyes closed tight, just looking all over the place. I thought, oh, the elder's seeing something. When everybody calmed down, I said, I said, we're ready to go. I said, but elder, is there something you need to tell us? Yes, there is. He come marching up fast as he could get up there. He said, while you were praying, he said, I saw in the spirit, I saw this whole building start filling up. It started filling up with angels all over the house, all down the side walls, all over the balcony. And he said, no sooner did they almost get in place, in come the harvest. People from all over this community started filling in. Said, Brother Kleinditz, standing right up there behind you, I saw four angels standing single file. One of them looked more like a man than the others. He was clapping his hands and worshiping God as the harvest filled the building. I'm telling you, the angels are on board. The angelic is already gathering. We better get ready. You better get ready. Come on, it's time to shake yourself. We're already further down the road than what you realize. You've been on pause, but everything else hasn't paused. We got some ground to make up. Give the Lord some high praise. Let's take a little praise break right here. this service be an impartation of the miraculous. Thank you, brother. You can be seated. Are you all right? Can I just, just trying to throw some stuff out here. Demas, the rich young ruler, even Judas, taken captive by the carnal. This generation that I'm preaching to tonight is being wooed by worldliness. If you want what the elders have, you got to do what the elders did. Abraham went looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. I'm sure he was doing all right where he was, but he said there's something more out there. I, want, I don't want the one I build. I want the one God builds. Moses rejected the riches of Egypt esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches. What's going to happen when a generation rises up that says, I'd rather be anointed than rich? I think God's calling some people that want miracles more than they want money. They want anointing more than they want affluence. They want power more than they want prosperity. Daniel refused the king's meat. And because he wouldn't eat their meat, the lions couldn't eat him. That was the first Daniel fast, by the way. The lions had to fast Daniel. God said, John. Three Hebrews risk everything for their revelation. We don't even know if God's going to bring us out of this fire. But I've been taught since a baby here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. I can't bow to that image even if I die in that fire. What's going to happen when a, when a generation rises up? 
that values the revelation over their own life. Brother Carpenter was preaching. I leaned over and told pastor, I said, it's okay to bury a generation as long as you don't bury their revelation. Elisha burned the oxen. Paul forsook the praises of men. Peter left the fishing nets. Why would they do it? Why? Why do those things? Why leave it all behind? Why take such crazy risks? I'll tell you why. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Paul said, but it's written. Eye hath not seen. Ear hath not heard. Neither has it even entered into the heart of man. The things God has prepared for them that love him. There's stuff I haven't seen. I'm willing to give up what I can see for what I can't see. I'm willing to give up my possessions to embrace my prophecies. God is revealing these things by the Holy Ghost. He's trying to let us see through the glass darkly here tonight. So I ask you in the middle and the heart of this thing, why then with all of this around us are we like the young servant of the man of God who is filled with fear and trepidation and anxiety saying, Master, how shall we do? Unable to see clearly, not discerning properly the spirit world, positioned for victory, but expecting defeat. Why do we struggle with the demonstration with spiritual power? Why does it seem difficult to walk in the spirit? Why do we hinder at flowing in the supernatural? Look at the prophet. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. But he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. You know, the disciples said, teach us to pray. We've interpreted that, teach us how to pray. Before you learn how to pray, you just got to learn to pray. What we need right now is we need God to teach the church to pray. You'll learn how once you get started. We got books on how to pray. We need the spirit to teach us to pray. The prophet was subject to passions, emotions, desires, and affections. He was vulnerable to the same distractions, desires, and detours into the insignificant like you and I. So much of the culture that we are a part of is designed to consume our passion. Let me speak to you in the Holy Ghost, even you energetic young people here tonight. You only have so much energy. Even Robinette. He only has so much energy. You only have so much mental energy. You only have so much physical strength. You only have so much time. So Paul told him in Romans, know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are. So where are you spending your passions? What passions have you become subject to? Are you focused on revival? Are you all in on soul winning? Is prayer your heartbeat? Do you just can't wait to get to church? Have you spent much time studying your Bible? Or are you saying like almost everyone is saying, there's just not enough time to pray. I'm just so busy. I'm so overscheduled. I'm so over obligated. 
The world we're living in is filled with everything imaginable designed to consume your passion, to empty out your energy. I've I've written a book on spiritual warfare, outlining all the demonic spirits in the Bible and how to overcome them with gifts of the spirit and fruit and all that. I know it's there, but our greatest enemy right now is not the demons. It's not even spiritual warfare. We are in an even greater warfare tonight. We are in a full frontal attack with an invasion of the insignificant. We're being invaded by social media. We've got Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Google+, Snapchat, Pinterest, Tumblr, and we're just getting started. We communicate through FaceTime, Skype, WhatsApp, and Zoom. That's before we even talk about entertainment. You've got Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime Video, HBO Max, the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, National Geographic, ESPN, Disney Channel, the Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, and Hallmark. Want to talk about video games? You got Fortnite, Call of Duty, Super Smash Brothers, League of the Legends, Minecraft, Overwatch, Rocket League, Clash of the Clans, and Candy Crush. We've got computers, tablets, and smartphones. Wanna go old school? We still play Monopoly, Scrabble, Dominoes, Life, some unknown game that's gonna be up there next. We get a little crazy playing some catchphrase. There's even a game called the pandemic. We got card games, God forbid. Darts, horseshoes, croquet, Volleyball, kickball, dining out, dining in, and Uber Eats. We ain't even got the sports yet. Baseball, football. I don't even know who won World Series five years ago or three or even last year or if they even had it this year. Basketball, ice hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, bowling, rugby, swimming, NASCAR, horse racing, motorcycle racing, and even dog racing. 
Now I'm going to get really up in some of y'all's world, right? We've been invaded by the 24-hour news channel. We've got Fox News, CNN, ABC, MSNBC, and CBS. For you can believe it any way you want to. Doesn't matter what actually happened. Which causes us to be in an invasion of politics. We've got the virus coverage that will never end. Mass debates. Why don't we fight about that a while? Now we're into vaccine controversies. Racial tensions. The border crisis. Gas shortages. Election drama. And Middle East wars. And when you want to get your mind off all of that, you can just get in music. Learn to play the guitar, or the piano, or the drums, or the ukulele, or the kazoo. And when you just can't take it anymore, you can go camping. Or it's not too far away to the amusement parks, or to the beach, or to the mountains or hiking, or snow skiing, or water skiing, or going on a cruise, or kayaking, or scuba diving, or snorkeling. Not into that. How about hunting, fishing, shopping? Scrapbooking, comic books, coin collecting, stamp collecting, Ceramics, cooking, and of course, needlepoint. The enemy has created a flood of the frivolous. Not that these things are dark or sinful. They simply are time consuming. They're gonna take your time. They're gonna consume your energy. They're gonna get some of your passion. The Bible said, let me explain to you how the prophet works. He's subject to like passions just like you, but he prayed earnestly. While some are playing feverishly, there is some people that are learning to pray earnestly. Watch me, I'm gonna hurt you. I don't mean to. But when the prophet was looking for a leader to anoint king, because the people wanted a king and God said, all right, I'm gonna give you one. And he goes out and lines everybody up and he's trying to find a leader that he could put the anointing oil on. He couldn't find him. And then the Lord said, he's hidden among the stuff. That's where your ministry is. That's where your anointing is. That's where, you're, that's where the signs, wonders, and miracles are. Why, why, why can't I be more powerful? That's why. why. Why can't I see what the elders saw? That's why. We laugh at them because they used to preach against this stuff. We convinced ourselves there's nothing really wrong with it. 
I'm not here to tell you it'll damn you and condemn you and send you to hell. I'm telling you that it will keep you from having an anointed ministry because you can't have all that and have all this at the same time. It's one or the other. How many miracle ministries are hidden among the stuff? You're like the lost coin. You're lost in the house. You're valuable, you're gifted, but you're unusable because we can't find you. You're a coin of great value, but we can't find you. When the worship service is going, we can't hear your voice. We can't find you in the prayer room. When the altar call's given and the prophet's looking for heads to lay hands on and prophesy, you're not there. You made your way on to the restaurant. Where are the miracles? Up there. Where are the angels? Among the stuff. Where is your prayer life? Among the stuff. Where's the prophetic words? Among the stuff. You only have so much passion. You only have so much time. You're only going to have so much energy. You've got to decide this night who you're going to serve. If you want to walk in the spirit, if you want to see the invisible, something's got to go. Something's got to go. You need to think of something in your life. I don't need that anymore. I'm not saying it's sin, but I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. You gotta lay something on the altar here tonight. Is there anything you can get free from? We're a generation that's gonna have to redeem the time. We gotta buy it back. We gotta redeem the time, the days are evil. Come on. This is a service for the redeemed. I got my time back. I snatched my energy back. I was spending it on so much things that are never gonna matter at the end of the day. Woo! I'm, not, I'm far from done preaching, but you're welcome to pray. I think you got the point. service what could you lay aside what could you set aside for a greater ministry what's God dealing with you about you'd have more time you'd have more energy if you just let it go Ten-cent pleasures are holding up million-dollar miracles.
The future's on the line here tonight. deliver us deliver each of us from something some will abandon all but everyone could abandon something just something could you just lay one of it one thing down just something what's just one thing you could lay aside tonight at this altar and say "All right, Lord between you and me Water walkers may have to lay it all down. Somebody's gonna hear the call of discipleship that says deny yourself, take up the cross. You can take this whole world. Just give me Jesus. tonight take this whole world but give me Jesus Come on, pastors. Let the prophet speak into your life tonight and tell you, I know you've labored hard. I know you've labored long. I know you've already given much. But could you dig just a little deeper and find just one more thing you could lay aside for that next level, for that next dimension, for that next season? The battle will soon be won. Your dream's about to be fulfilled. Your vision is about to come to pass. Let me have your attention up here a minute. This is a beautiful, marvelous, deep response to this challenging word from the Lord. I told some that were around me when I was putting this together, I just put this together yesterday for tonight. I said, dear God, I've got myself so convicted. <laughs> I ain't just preaching and prophesying to you, I promise you. I'm prophesying to myself tonight. But I want to dig this just a little bit deeper to help you know how to pray. 
because some of you I know have already made great sacrifices. 2 Thessalonians 3.13, if you can throw that on the screen, 2 Thessalonians 3.13. It's just one little verse of Scripture. It's just a command. And I've looked at it for a long time, but the Lord's been showing me little extra layers of some of these verses. This is a direct command. Brethren, be not weary in well-doing. We have told ourselves that means we need to be careful not to wear ourselves out doing the work of the Lord. But I wonder if it means don't come weary into your ministry. I suggest we've become weary with worldliness. The elders preached against worldliness because it was sinful and ungodly. We need to start preaching about worldliness again because it is stealing our visions and dreams. We're weary with worldliness. We've become overtaxed by the temporal. I love you, but we're played out with pleasure seeking. We're exhausted by the immaterial. No wonder we come to church time. Put all my pictures back up there. No wonder we come exhausted. No wonder we're singing when the saints come dragging in. All of our passion, all of our time and energy and money. By the time we get here, we got nothing left. Bible said as the days of Noah were they were eating drinking marrying giving in marriage I mean come on you gotta live but because of it they were so caught up in life the Bible says they knew not God help us tonight that we are not just steps away from the greatest revival this world has ever known and we don't even know it I want to be like John. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He didn't say, I was slap worn out. I had nothing else to give. I could barely get there. He said, I was in the spirit 12 times. He said, I saw an angel. Come on, read it. Right after he said, I was in the spirit. The next 12, 14, 15 verses, 12 times. And I saw an angel. 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 You can't see angels because you can't see nothing but everything this world has. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is strong, folks. Took a whole message to even be able to say this right here. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. It's not of the Father. It's of the world. And here's why it matters. Because the world passes away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God. Abideth forever. So come out from among them. 
and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Because he that separateth himself through desire, a man separateth himself and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Come on, you're not going to feel the brush of angels' wings till you get yourself separate from some of this stuff. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, strengthen me tonight. Renew my passion. Renew my energy. Renew my strength. And I will not spend it out on the frivolous things of this world. I will not be a victim of the invasion of the insignificant. intercessors it's time to intercede come on prayer warriors it's time to pray we got some pouring out to do here tonight we got some burdens to unload at the altar of forgiveness my friend Brother Dagan here tonight. Bless my friend Brother Kyle tonight, Lord. The next dimension, the next season, the next revival, the next anointing. It's just beyond the fingertips of desire. Stretch, Brother Kyle, stretch. Your miracle's in the stretch. Stretch! God, let the mighty anointing fall on Brother Eason tonight. A new and fresh anointing, a fresh passion, a fresh energy is coming to you, brother. You've spent so much, you've given so much, but I prophesy the Lord is replenishing you right now. He's restoring you right now. I don't feel that's just for him. I felt that go out across this auditorium. I release a renewing in the Holy Ghost right now. The Lord understands our flesh. 
He said, you've spent it on things. You've spent money for that which is not bread and for that which is not milk. But come on, buy without money tonight. Come on, the Lord is renewing you and refreshing you all the energy you've given. Woo! I feel an anointing. It's the hot anointing oil coming out of the holy throne room of heaven tonight. use your voice some are praying with all their heart some of you shout more at a baseball game than you're praying right now you scream at the TV on NFL football more than you're praying right now when the service is over tonight. How many times you go golfing this year? How many cruises have you been on? How many times have you gone camping? You'll start to understand why he's having such great revival. He's all in.
They're going to sing it on. Have us a little song here. Let, let me help you with, with the sacrifice. They, I don't know if they're getting ready to sing us a song or what, but let, let, beautiful, beautiful. Let me help you with the sacrifice. It seems too much. You may as well go ahead when you're young and lay some things on the altar and lay them aside because eventually life's going to take it from you anyway. There comes a time you just get too old to golf. I tried to play racquetball a few years ago, nearly had a heart attack. I used to play racquetball all the time, two or three times a week. Life's taking it from me. You're going to get too old to do things. They're going to be out of reach. And what life doesn't get, eternity will. So why not take those things you can't possess anyway? Lay them on an altar while you can. I can't even give some of them things away anymore. They're past me. Life's already taken them. Life's already taken them. Elders here know what I'm talking about. Lord Jesus, I pray tonight. You put it in our heart to offer up ourselves a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy and acceptable. Maybe in that context, you want to just talk to the Lord a minute. So much of that's already out of my reach, Lord. Some of it I did lay on the altar years ago. There are things up there I could have done and never did, but I've seen angels. Things I could have had but never had, but I've seen the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo! I release, an, I release a season of angelic visitations upon this body tonight. This is a body that's gathered from various locations, but I prophesy into each and every one here and everyone listening over the internet tonight. I release you with apostolic authority through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ into the prophetic word. There's an increase in angelic visitations. If you'll come out from among this world, you'll feel the brush of angels' wings. <laughs> Some of you haven't talked in tongues in a while. Why don't you yield yourself to the Holy Ghost right now? I, I release you, I loose you through the name of Jesus for a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire. Receive it now. Life didn't take your prayer ministry, you laid it aside. Pick it up! Woo! Eco Shaya Mahataha. 
I feel the gathering of the angelic hosts in this building here tonight. Watching out there on that internet, some of you in living rooms and kitchens and cars and automobiles and hospital rooms, I release the angels of the Lord to come and visit you right now in the name of Jesus, messenger angels, warring angels, ambassador angels, healing angels. The reinforcements are on the way, church. The witness of the Holy Ghost was upon it.
It's all right, just tarry in the Holy Ghost. We're just flowing in the Holy Ghost. Soaking in the word of the Lord, letting it sink deep into our spirit. entertain the heavenly host tonight. We entertain your holy presence. Your holy presence. Here's what we feel in the Holy Ghost. First thing is I want to point something out. This has been happening, uh, and I've been observing it, and so it's a point of instruction for the body of Christ. You notice when the tongues came forth and the interpretation, there was an immediate witness of the Holy Ghost. We all just knew it was of God. You felt the witness. The way we're going to know as we move forward, because there's been a lot of charlatans and misuse of the gifts and misoperation, and now we're all apprehensive and we don't know what to do and scared we're going to get out of order and blah, 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 blah. The way you're going to know is when there's a witness. When the witness of the Holy Ghost is there, what, what else is there need to be said? I didn't have to tell you to pray when that got done. You start praying all by yourself because you witness, the Lord witnessed to your spirit that he was speaking to us. So the witness of the Holy Ghost is what's going to help us know. Now, if there's no witness of the Holy Ghost and it's not damaging or hurtful or dividing or harmful, we can tolerate it. Okay, let's give the Lord a hand clap and sing a song. No harm, no foul. We can tolerate some stuff while we learn, while we figure out what we're doing, while we get a little deeper. Okay, if it's harmful, that's why we have pastors and uh, bishops and folks that can bring correction and fix it and make it right, and then we go on past that. But but this has been happening in services I've been in lately. The operation of the gifts has come with a witness, and that's going to be our protection. So you don't have to wonder if it's of God or not. If you're wondering about that, I can't help you because it's just so, so obvious. Now, now, we feel this in the Holy Ghost, so we're going to pray this prayer, and you can pray it very casually as long as you're very sincere. I mentioned in the office tonight, I remember coming up, we used to have what they call consecration services. And a consecration service would be a message that would humble our hearts before God, warn us of sin and, and, and snares of the adversary. And then we would, we would literally pray and lay something on the altar. And, and I've said it several times through the altar here, but it was in the course of all the commotion. This is much more focused uh, and, and in unity of mind. But we're going to close our eyes, and we're going to pray together. And they can, once we start, you're welcome to play the organ. I love that organ music when I'm play, praying. And, um, and I want you to think of something specific. Not 
everything in the whole world, but something you could lay down, something you could sacrifice. Even if, even if you make it only a temporary uh, consecration at first. But if you want to feel like you can lay it down forever, that's fine too. But whatever God leads you to do in the next few minutes, something in your life that is consuming your time and your energy and your resources that you, if you had that time, you could give it to some other activity for the Lord. Would you close your eyes? Lord Jesus, speak to each and every one of us right now what you would require of us. It's an offering tonight, not of money or of material things, but Lord, we put ourselves on the altar. We present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, our reasonable service. Think of something, some activity, some hobby, some situation. I lay it on the altar tonight, Lord, as a sacrifice of worship to you. Let it, let it be like the sacrifice of praise. Let it be an offering of worship unto the Lord. Lay it up there on the altar. It may hurt a little. You may be a little fearful. Lay it up there and say, here it is, Lord. I give this to you.